take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Yoshi slides it in, and the Predators win it overtime. This is the Preds official podcast with Brooks Bratton on Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. It's the Predators official podcast. ESPN 102.5 The Game. Episode 155 of the radio program. Brooks Bratton, Kara Hammer. We are of the Nashville Predators. Producer Max is here too. As we record, matter of fact, the final show of the 2021 calendar year. Christmas is only a few days away. New Year's coming shortly thereafter. And at least as of Christmas week... The Preds don't have any games to play, so we figured we'd jump in the studio and recap what we know, talk to one of the members of the Admiral slash Predators who helped with some wins last week, and uh, Kara, we're just kind of going with the flow here. I feel like I was on like the highest of highs, and now I'm like at the lowest of lows. <laughs> like We were just cruising, yeah. and then it all just came to a halt. But here we are. We're, we're back on the podcast, so things are things are lifting back up. Mm-hmm. One more pod, as we said, for the uh, 2021 calendar year. So we're glad that you're here for it. And much to discuss, as you might imagine, the Predators, they're on a seven-game win streak in the midst of a COVID outbreak as their schedule has now been postponed heading into the holiday break. But of course, some reinforcements from Milwaukee on the ice and behind the bench helped Nashville to earn back-to-back wins over Colorado and Chicago at the end of the week last time around. And one of the gentlemen who was here to help out in those efforts, Milwaukee Admirals assistant coach Scott Ford. We've got a great conversation coming up with him to give you some insight on what it was like for him to come on up to Nashville, come up to the NHL for the first time as a player or a coach. Gets that first call and uh, does a heck of a job behind the bench. So really great conversation coming up with him in just a moment. Also, our favorite moments of 2021. We'll look back. We'll look ahead to 2022 and a couple of questions to finish out the year with as well. But Kara, of course, as we know, the Predators, they head into the holiday break early after at least eight players and five coaches had already entered COVID protocol. The NHL made the decision to shut down the Predators' schedule. So games against Carolina, Winnipeg, and Florida were postponed heading into the holiday break. Those come after Nashville's game against Calgary earlier, scheduled for last week, was also postponed due to a COVID outbreak within the Flames organization. So that's now five games postponed for the Predators this season at Ottawa versus Calgary, at Carolina versus Winnipeg, and at Florida. The league will schedule or reschedule those games eventually. They continue to work through a number of outbreaks, and of course the league is going to shut down for the holiday break on December 24th, 25th, and 26th. And the Predators coming out of that are scheduled, at least as of now, to play the Stars in Dallas on December 27th. And we're playing games until they tell us we're not. And that's kind of how you got to operate uh, right now. One more thing, too, to mention, Olympic participation is also up in the air because of this. Many reports say NHL players will likely not go to Beijing in February any longer. Nothing official from the league. But to borrow something that friend of the show, Elliot Friedman, likes to say, what I say now may not be true in 15 minutes. So as we record this on Monday, Monday, December 20th at 2.14 in the afternoon Nashville time. 
nothing official on that yet, but we could have something there this week. So did you get all that care? We've been living it firsthand. And despite all of that, the Preds keep winning. The Preds were rolling. I mean, I was just having so much fun as I learned this week, a new word. Uh, the, the wind streaks are now called heaters. So ah, that's, yes. we've kind of adopted that, that wordage verbiage from coach Carl Taylor, because he came in and uh, taking over the Preds, they had been on a five game win streak. He also informed us that at that time, the Admirals were on a five game heater. So mm-hmm. uh, Terry Crisp and I had a lot of fun using that on the, on the broadcast when we played Colorado, but the seven game win streak Brooks, I mean, a depleted roster, crazy COVID protocols, no coaches on the regular staff, and the guys just found ways to win. Well, that's uh, despite all of this, as you mentioned, this is just the fourth time in franchise history that they have gone a perfect 7-0-0 in seven consecutive outings. I guarantee they weren't dealing with anything remotely close to this the last three times this has happened in franchise history. And that, of course, includes back-to-back wins over Colorado and Chicago, a 5-2 win over the Avs on Thursday, followed by that 3-2 OT victory in Chicago. And you mentioned... Carl Taylor and Scott Ford, our guest coming up later. The Preds had to recall four forwards and two coaches from Milwaukee after Nashville's entire NHL coaching staff, at least those who would normally be behind the bench, tested positive. So it was Carl Taylor, Scott Ford, and Admiral's GM, Predators assistant GM, Scott Nickel. Those three were behind the bench, and I had to I caught myself and I didn't notice it immediately, but I think Later on in the first period on Thursday, I actually looked at the bench during the game for the first time and just thought how strange it was to see three new coaches, essentially, at least for the night or for a couple of nights behind the bench. But Philip Forsberg, Colton Sissons, Tanner Janot, they led the way the Predators get it done. And what did you think watching it firsthand? Because as you say, the heater that the Preds were on, they're in one of those moments where it seems like more often than not, things are going their way. And you're going to have those ebbs and flows across the uh, across the, a long season like this. But the Preds, they're, they're in a high right now. And it's unfortunate it had to get shut down. But they just kept finding a way. I think one thing I noticed, Brooks, was that guys that needed to step up, stepped up. And one player in particular stands out to me was Colton Sissons. In that Colorado game, I think he took every single faceoff. He led the forwards in ice time playing 25 minutes. Led the whole team in ice time. unstoppable. Mm -hmm. You know, he was just, you needed a player like that in that moment, and Colton Sissons was the guy. And then he wore an A the next night in Chicago, served as an alternate captain for the first time in his NHL career. And he's, I asked him after the game, he said that really meant a lot to him. He's been a leader at every other stage in his career. He was a captain in the American League in Milwaukee. He was a captain and junior in Kelowna, but to wear an A. And he, even though he had never worn one up here before, he was always mentioned in those conversations when you talk about who's a, who's a good leader on this team. And even though Colton was never wearing a letter on his sweater, he was still considered to be a part of that group. So totally agree. He stepped up. Philip Forsberg stepped up. Roman Yossi is always going to step up. UC Sorrow played both. UC Sorrow, excuse me, played both of those games and got two wins back to back. The guys that you needed to step up with some big players out, they did that. And you also have to mention Tommy Novak recording his first NHL goal against Chicago. You know, it, they were just finding ways to win. 
What, what, Kara, what was the feeling? Because you were in it more so than I was. I didn't go to Chicago. You did. What was kind of the feeling as you left Nashville, you go to Chicago, and you're able to come away with a win? You, and I've, I've been on trips before, too, where things are just going the right way. You can just feel it, right? Like, what, what sense did you have when being around the group for about, I don't know, 24 hours until you actually ended up coming back to Nashville? Well, you know, you can really feel it. I think we felt it more after Chicago. Like we were all ready to go to Carolina because you felt like they were going to go and win eight games in a row. But one thing I thought was interesting was going back to the Colorado game. Obviously, you know, we interviewed Phil Forsberg after the game and he said, hey, we took advantage of that three day break. And talking with Hal Gill, he's like, if I would have had three days off as a player, I probably wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have done well. Mm -hmm. And Carl Taylor, he was concerned about that. Even going into the game, how are the guys going to respond? Because the Calgary game was canceled on Tuesday night. So the guys hadn't played, then they have to come out and face Colorado. But I think that they all just kind of got their legs under them. You could feel it. They were having fun. They felt loose. I mean, that overtime against Chicago, you just, you could feel it. You could feel that they were going to find a way to, to get two points that night. I thought it was interesting, too. I wanted to read this, and we'll ask Scott Ford about this seeing it firsthand coming up, but Carl Taylor, after the win against Colorado, just asking him, what did you think of what you saw from the team firsthand? What what stuck out to you about why they're having success right now? I wanted to read this quote. He said, this team has got the right energy, the right mentality, and we just came in and tried not to get in the way. Make sure we just rode the wave that they're on right now. We had a few things here and there. Make sure they had direction. Make sure we executed the game plan properly. And so we were just trying to assist. But the coaching staff here, meaning the coaching staff in Nashville, the guys who would normally be here, has done a wonderful job with a great group of guys. You can just tell the energy and how they care about each other, how they didn't allow anything that occurred today to phase them. And that was what Roman Yossi said going into the Colorado game too. He's like, we're just focused on winning the game. We can't worry about everything else that's happening, the fluidity of the situation. We just have to worry about winning a game. And that's exactly what they did. Carl Taylor said, you know, before the game, he goes, there's excuses everywhere. If you mm -hmm. want an excuse for this game, you're going to find it. You have to put that aside and you have to just go out there and play hockey. And I think we talk about the identity all the time of this team. They're tough, they're physical. But I think their biggest advantage has always been next man up mentality. And I think one thing we saw in those two back-to-back -back games is when we called the guys up from Milwaukee, Rocco Grimaldi, Olivier, Cole Sherwood gets his first start, makes his you know Nashville debut. These guys are skating their butts off because they want an opportunity to still play up in, in the NHL mm -hmm. and not have to go back down to Milwaukee. So we saw that also come in and energize the team. That's a great point. And, and Cody Glass and Cole Smith, two more guys who came up. And when they ran that morning skate on Thursday uh, and Carl Taylor gathered the group after it was done, after about 20 minutes or so, you could hear... I was in the arena. You could hear what he said. And, and, and one of the things that stuck with me is he said, you guys, you, you ask for more opportunity, right? You crave more opportunity. Well, here it is. And, you know, it, it wasn't like guys like Rocco Grimaldi and Cody Glass necessarily lit up the score sheet, but they were still able to come in and contribute because you need everybody, right? Like not everybody's going to score a goal every night, but you need everybody making some sort of contribution. And I thought it was interesting too. And I think it speaks to the depth within the organization is all of the guys that came up at least that first night, Grimaldi, Glass, Olivier, 
and Cole Smith, they've all played for this team before. They've all got NHL experience, and it wasn't too tough of a transition. You look at that to say, we've got to call four guys up, but everybody knew what to do when they came in. And obviously, Milwaukee and Nashville play the same system, and that helps so there isn't too much of a transition whenever that happens for anyone. But for the guys to come in, it was very seamless, and they were able to help contribute and, and do what they had to do, especially they Nashville played with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen that night, which is one off of what it should be for each group. It should be 12 and 6. And, uh, you know, that to me that game is just very indicative of when things aren't li- like this aren't happening, this team really doesn't let anything bother them. Or for the most part they have shown this season – they really don't let a whole lot phase them. And that was just an exclamation point on that identity and the way that they played, the way that they were able to come up with these two games. I think you have to give so much credit to, to Coach John Hines and his staff for being able to build this. You know, if you didn't have that, that leader already, and, it, and if you didn't even have the leadership group amongst the players, I don't think that, that teams like that could sustain what these guys have been through and come out and be successful. It's pretty impressive. And so we'll see what happens as we go along here. Of course, the streak's not going to last forever. And who's to say that that uh, th- this isn't it here after seven games? But again, we'll see. Nashville's scheduled to play Dallas December 27th. All of those games after Christmas are still on. So a three-game road trip uh, at Dallas, at Washington, and at Columbus before they come back home to host Chicago on New Year's Day. So everything after Christmas is still on for now. Uh, and, of course, stay tuned, so we'll see what what happens after the fact. But for now, I think it's a good opportunity for the guys to maybe enjoy a little bit of rest, relaxation. They would have done that anyway over the Christmas break. Uh, but just an opportunity to recharge and hopefully let guys get healthy. And from the coaching staff, too, I think that's, you know, they were certainly communicating on Zoom. It wasn't like they were at home cut off from the rest of the world. But uh, that's quite a change when your entire coaching staff is not around the rink and you've got a couple of games to play. So what a fascinating few days that we've all dealt with. And uh, we're all still in a pretty good mood because the Predators, they, they found a way just like they have this season. Yeah, it's definitely been a whirlwind. But as we know, every you know, it's always bigger than the game. So obviously, like we were all very concerned about the players and the coaches mm-hmm. who all entered the COVID protocol. We know that this is still very real and happening. But but in the meantime of, of having that happen and and getting to come out and guys take advantage, myself included. You know, Lindsay went on COVID protocol yeah. and, and it was opportunity to sit on the desk with Terry Crisp, which for five seasons I've never done. So there was a little bit of silver lining in all of this. And you crushed it by the way. Well, thank you. It was, <laughs> it was very overwhelming. I appreciate all the people on Twitter who are nice and commented. And I had to text Lindsay and I was like, wow, this was a whirlwind and yeah. you do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was, it big was though, but it was a great time. And obviously it was a lot easier with, with getting the win. Oh, it was cool to see you on there. And especially in Chicago, I was home watching that one. And you gave us, you said when we had Carl Taylor on the podcast, I was like, look at that. The pod getting a shout out on the pregame. I love it. I kept thinking back because he was like our first guest, my first guest that we had. Yeah. And we talked to him about, you know, the Admiral players that had come up and were playing for the Preds last season. And I remember him talking about how proud he was of those guys. And the whole time I was thinking, 
I bet the guys are just as proud of, of Carl Taylor and Scott Ford at this very moment. Little did we know. Yeah. Look at us now. Well, we'll talk to his assistant coming up. Milwaukee Admirals assistant coach Scott Ford. He's going to join us next, and you won't want to miss that chat. This is the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Predators official podcast. ESPN 1025 The Game, episode 155 of the POP. Welcome back to the program. Brooks Bratton, Kara Hammer, Dave Grohl, producer Max, the gang's all here. And uh, that song, Suggestion, that band, courtesy of our next guest, he is making his POP debut, by the way, Milwaukee Admirals assistant coach. And for a couple of days last week, a Nashville Predators assistant coach. Scott Ford is kind enough to join us. Fordo, welcome to the show, first of all. And have you been able to wrap your mind around what happened over the last 96 hours or so? Uh, it's, it's been kind of a whirlwind, obviously. Um, the uh, de- debuting on the show, and then obviously the NHL debut. So <laughs> it's, uh, what, a, what a crazy kind of 72 hours. Um, yeah, just getting that that call and an opportunity, you know, obviously COVID related, but, you know, being able to come in and help out and, you know, both Carl and I to kind of do what we do what we do and lend a hand to the, and get a couple big wins. I mean, it was a dream come true and uh, obviously uh, a great, uh, great couple days. I mean, I don't even know what day it is still. It was, uh, it was so crazy. And then obviously, Having that road game or the home game, and then the road game in Chicago, in Chicago, like United Center, and here in the anthem, and Cornelius, and the whole like atmosphere there is just unbelievable. And then basically getting off the charter on the tarmac and going and coaching our game against uh, the Chicago Wolves that uh, Saturday when we got shut down. I mean, I, I really. I really uh, don't have much words for it. It was real wild, but so fulfilling and just kind of an unbelievable three days. Yeah. Uh, Well, and you said two big wins here with Nashville in those two days. I mean, take us, if we can, let's go back to what you remember about last week. You're you're in Milwaukee and and you first hear that you're getting the call that we we need you here in Nashville and you're going to come up to the Predators. What was that moment like and and what kind of transpired after that how did you get here and and how did it play out at the beginning at least yeah well we uh we just had a big emotional you know win um in iowa on the road that that tuesday and you know as you know in the in the american hockey league we're not uh our charters are buses not uh flights (laughs) so we had a we had a nice six hour bus ride after the game back to uh, milwaukee and uh you know, we got in around five in the morning and uh, basically, you know, the buzz had already started that we were, that we were going to be, you know, com- coming up. And so just trying to, uh, trying to get prepared, obviously um, do some testing here before getting on the flight and trying to get compliant with, uh, with COVID regulations and everything. And, and, you know, Taking uh, basically just throwing stuff in a bag, getting getting as organized as possible in that quick turnaround time, 
and then just flying into Nashville, you know, and uh, obviously coming to the rink in the morning on that that Thursday, just just remember just feeling excited and and you know obviously not not really nervous, but more just just that kind of anticipation of the day to come, you know, like just, just super excited. I mean, everybody there right from the, right from the start, um, you know, with, with John and the staff and, you know, our, with Lawrence and, and, uh, you know, Nikki and, and Andrew, like everybody's worked so well as a group, as far as training camps, rookie, rookie tournaments, um, you know, uh, summer development camp, just getting getting everybody acclimated into the system and understanding how people communicate and, and just being, you know, a group as a whole with, within the organization. It just, it made it a lot easier to, to come into that environment. Obviously we're dealing with the coaches over zoom, but just to have a prior relationship and, and to know how, you know, each guy works, how each staff member likes to do things, um, how the organization as a whole works. You know, the transition wasn't wasn't that tough to tell you the truth. It was the hockey part of it. I was said I think mean, someone earlier today is hockey. Like mm-hmm. we're we're prepared. Our our day to day things as coaches and staff don't really change much as far as meetings and the X's and O's and, and things like that. But, you know, at the NHL level there's a lot more noise. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more media. There's a lot more um the buildings are bigger. the The whole production around it is is the NHL. I mean, it's the pinnacle. We, that's where everybody thrives and strives to to be. Not only as a player, but now for me as a coach too. So, to get that opportunity and to be in that arena was was awesome. Let's talk about Thursday in the Colorado game because I know earlier in that day we thought assistant coach Dan Highnote was going to be the bench boss of the game. Five hours before the game starts, you and Carl Taylor find out you're going to be the two guys on the bench with Scott Nickel. Coach Taylor told us that for the first time ever, he went out for warm-ups just to make sure we were even still going to play a game. When did it kind of sink in for you that this is happening? Yeah, I would think obviously that day, I think just stepping on the ice with uh, a pregame skate, um, just you know, knowing that that uh, both myself and Carl, like it was, it was going to be our crew. You know, it was, you know, it was an, an awesome feeling. You know, obviously their their groups prepared guys that had won five straight prior to us coming in. So it's it was kind of a okay, let's not screw this up now. Kind of a, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a, a thought, but you know, we're we're prepared. Um, just you know, prepped by by Lawrence, and then obviously. Um, Danny kind of Danny testing positive and, and not being able to go. Um, it was like you said, it was, it was go time. Then the realization was like, all right, here we are. I mean, it was, it was kind of cool. I know Roman alluded to it in the, in his interview and, and stuff like that after that playing with those, those guys on the back end and then, and a bunch of our guys up front um, when I was playing here in Milwaukee and then, coaching you know a number of them it was pretty cool how it, how it came full circle and you know just to, to be back there and, and having Eki and, and Yos you know basically shouldering a lot of the load as they do most nights but 
I, I just felt the guys played so hard for us, and you know they obviously want to win too. I mean, you guys are playing extremely well, and it, I, I just thought it was it was special. It was a special moment in that regard, just how it came full circle. So, it, yeah, it, it's. I mean, I at the outpouring of support and the amount of people that have reached out through social media platforms, through you know text calls, like it just. It's it's just amazing when, you know, just how people support and maybe some of the impact you've made, you know, on people as you've uh, went through your career. You know, it was just it was special. And just to receive those game pucks at the end of the game, you know, from Boro and just have him talk, uh, you know, on behalf of the team, you know, different people's paths, how different, you know, what different people get to that level. and what it what it takes, you know, it's not just handed to you. The, the NHL is the NHL for a reason, and it takes some people longer, you know. And, and whether they, you know, play in the minors for a number of years, or you know, like myself, I, I treated I treated the minors like my NHL because I never got there, right? So to give be given that opportunity as a coach was was pretty special. And like I said, the people around me and. You know, family and friends and and everybody just it was it was pretty it was pretty emotional and pretty special milwaukee admirals assistant coach scott ford is our guest here on the preds official podcast on espn 1025 the game and scott you alluded to it and mentioned it playing with roman at one point in milwaukee and matthias at home and you've seen a lot of guys even a lot of guys on the bench you have coached them in Milwaukee, did it? I don't want to say that this was an easy thing, but how much, how helpful was that? I suppose to have so much familiarity with a number of different guys on the bench in that setting. Did you? Did it almost feel, in a way, that you were kind of coaching the Admirals? It just happened to be in Nashville in a different jersey. You know what? Like a hundred percent. Like just to to have familiarity with you know some of the veteran players. That I that I played with that are now huge, you know, parts of of the team and of the organization as far as leaders and and figures, and then having our guys that that are there now that, that we coached. I mean, it it did feel that way in a sense. It, it made the transition definitely way easier. It made communication way easier. It just and you could see how special it was for them. Like a lot of those guys, like. You, we get to sit down with, and you get to see their face when you tell them for the first time they're going to the NHL, and the excitement and just everything that you put in as an athlete or as a coach or as a broadcaster, anything that you're doing, and you get that opportunity to to move up a level. It's just it's special, and it was that same you know they had that same feeling for us as we did for them when we were we were getting to tell them for the first time that they're they're going to the show mm-hmm. so for for them to uh for them just to you know work that hard and to be that you know to, you know that accepting and just excited you know to to get the to get that initial win was was awesome it was really something special something I'll never forget for sure how cool was it for you to see a guy like Tanner Janot kind of show out in those back-to-back games, records his first power play goal for the Preds, and then obviously that overtime winner in Chicago. I mean, such a thrilling game for such a young guy. 
Yeah, for sure. We're we're obviously you know very proud of of his development. I mean, we we had some tough talks with Tanner, you know, over over the course of his his young career. I mean, we were in there when we you know sent him to Florida in the East Coast League. You know, we we've been there when you know we, he's been up and down, and and we, he had to. You know, we've had to answer hard questions with him, and he's also had to, and he's asked some. Where, but the the bottom line is, he's been so determined and driven that he wasn't going to be told no, or wasn't going to be told that he wasn't able to do something. He he took everything in as constructive criticism and <clears throat> an opportunity to prove people wrong, and now he's he's proving people right for you know protecting him. Um, during the expansion draft for, for you know, putting him in different situations to succeed. And and he, he continues as a young professional and as a young man to, uh, to grow his game and to, and to basically, you know, prove, prove what, what we thought kind of all along, you know, and, and kudos to him. I mean, un- unbelievable couple of games very special for us to watch it on the bench because not unlike a lot of those guys, we spend a lot of time with them, you know, especially here in Milwaukee where, I mean, you're not forgotten about, but when you're in the American league, it's just different. I mean, your, your travel's different. The scheduling's different. There's no, there's a lot of things that go into it. And I think our guys have done a good job when they have been here that, they're a pretty tight knit group and everybody pushes um, each other to, to be the best daily and, and tries to, you know, grow each other's games because we've had opportunity in our organization the last few years with the amount of players that, that are playing there now. And guys are starting to see that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel if they grasp it and if they decide themselves that, you know, that they're going to put in the work to do it. You know, like for me though, even, Having having Sis elevate his game, and he, I mean, he can play. He's shown that he can play up and down. You know, throughout the lineup, you know, he might arguably be the best third line center in the league, and he can go up and down and play a variety of roles. Um, just to see his growth and to see his potential starting to to come, you know, through to. To what his, you know, what his contract is and what he's done for himself is special too. And those are all guys that that I was able to play with and coach. So, and even even Phil, you know, I thought Phil's game was was great. You know, he had a couple goals in the Chicago game, and it it really it really helps obviously for us when you have players like that on the bench. But just to just to watch their progression and how they've taken their their game to a next level. And you know the, the organization as a whole is is starting to have some success. It's good to see. Scott, what did you think as well? And and you mentioned guys like Tanner Janot and Colton Sissons, and uh, it's it's not as if you're unfamiliar with the team. Obviously, you're in the system and you're here in the summertime and in training camp. But getting the chance to see this team in the middle of a regular season as they are now dealing with the circumstances and the adversity that you all dealt with last week, what impressed you most about this group and the way that you were all able to come together, find two wins and and continue that win streak. What sticks out to you about being able to see all of this operate firsthand? 
Well, I think, I just think, number one, that for us to come in as outsiders and just see how much the guys care about one another, I think think a a big, a big thing is, is your, is your leadership group. I think a guy that maybe goes unsung, that, that does a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, behind the scenes, and I think in the locker room is, is Mark Borowicki. I mean, the guy is like, consummate pro I think after the the struggles that he had last season with uh, injuries and his personal struggles and, and everything for his game to be elevated to where where it is this year and for him to be a leader in that locker room and to you know be a kind of a rock with that group uh, I uh, that resonated with me big time because I was that type of player mm-hmm. and I think he's a huge piece to that. I think Colton's coming into his own. It was cool to, I think it was a Chicago game where he had, he had a letter on for the first time in his career, or mm-hmm. maybe it was the Nashville game, I, either or. But that, I think, yeah, I think it was Chicago, right? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. A, or a letter for the first time. Mm-hmm. You could see, like, with with how much basically we played him and the position he was in, you know, that's validation to, to his growth too you know like I, I think that's special and you know Roman's done a heck of a job um, you know with with the ups and downs and trying to get keep a you know up-and-coming young team going and he, he shoulders a lot of that too and you could see in his play like he guys unbelievable like all over the ice just does things that are so so special I mean it's really cool to see I, I I'm I think that's the biggest key for for that group is I think there's key key leadership components, key key guys that uh, that are uh, key guys that that are in that locker room that really hold everything together like glue. And you know now they're starting to have fun together. You've seen it in their play. You've seen it in the success on the ice, and and you know that that's kind of what resonates with me, just kind of being in that atmosphere before. One more before you go, and yep. I'm going to assume that you've seen this photo, but we saw a photo with a bunch of kids who were very excited to see <laughs> Uncle Scott coaching in the NHL. Give it, give us a little insight there, and uh, what did you think when you saw that photo? Uh, I mean, uh, my my sister-in-law, I, I laugh. She probably doesn't like to hear it, but I, I call her stage mom. The, uh, <laughs> she, she loves her Pinterest. She loves her... Uh, <laughs> loves her arts and crafts and my uh my niece emerson and nephew grayson there uh grayson's an unbelievable athlete and and uh now emerson she started out with hockey and kind of you know just seemed disinterested and now she's figure skating and doing like kind of dance and stuff and it's her expressions and like her, her being able to do stuff individually and independently from like a team sport, she has like come into her own, like unbelievable. So nice. they were just fired up to have like a little group party um, over, which is with some, some close friends, kids and uh, their, their, you know, parents and stuff are very close to, to me. And, and they were just pumped to kind of watch the game. So I think it was funny. Like they had their, they had their jerseys on. Like I, I got my, my nephew plays goal kind of half the time. And so I got him a, you know, a Rene jersey signed last last summer, I believe. And then I got my my niece, you know, Yossi's 
jersey with the C on it and stuff, and she was kind of like, eh, you know, like, <laughs> jersey, like Uncle Scott, like, what is this? But, so, but now, but now my gifts are, my gifts are kind of cool because they got to, uh, they got to put them on. And then obviously the picture, like she sent it to me and, and put, posted it online and Sarah, you know, asked, she's like, can we use this picture? And I'm like, for sure. Like a- anything for, you know, what's going on. I just thought it was so special. And then for you guys to put it on the spot, like on, to put it on the broadcast live, it, it was just unbelievable. Like it, it, it obviously made, made uh, stage mom's day and <laughs> my, and I'm like a superhero to my uh, niece and nephew and, and all the other kids and stuff around. So that, that made me smile so much. Like, but it's just weird. I mean, it, it's day-to-day operation, the coaching side of it and the hockey side of it. But so, especially when you're, when you're here, friends or like family or things like that, they understand the sacrifice and understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people around it, you don't really realize, but until you have a moment, like those couple of games where you see it televised or you see it, you know, on a national scale, you don't really realize the kind of day to day that we do anyways. You know what I mean? Like they, it was kind of validation in that point where I was like, Oh wow, that's, that's awesome. It's great to see some successes. It's great to see, you know, some of these hard work kind of coming to fruition, you know, obviously not their full time aspiring to be full time. That would be, obviously a phenomenal opportunity, but mm-hmm. you know what? It's a process. And just like as a player, you know, people progress at different rates and different stages. And hopefully I can just continue to prepare myself the best I can. And when that time comes, hopefully I'll be a hundred percent ready for it. But that was just an awesome test for the, for my first time out of the gate. Awesome. Well, Fordo, thanks for the time and uh, thanks for what you do and for for coming up here and, and getting behind the bench and helping us get a couple more wins. That was uh, it was just really cool, I think, from our perspective to see that and, and to see you and Carl get that opportunity and everybody else. But uh, it's been it's been great talking to you and, and good timing, by the way, with getting the Rene jersey last summer. That was well done on your part. <laughs> I, I know. Some, sometimes I fluke out with that stuff. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, th- thanks for this and uh, happy birthday. Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Yeah. Kara Brooks. Thank you guys so much. It's everything has been, been so awesome. Thank you guys for, for all that you do. Coming up next, the best of the year, 2021. This is the predators official podcast on ESPN one Oh two five, the game. up and now Kane comes down the right side this pass tipped by Janot Janot gets it Predators come up on the attack Yossi's on a long time here is Janot driving to the net gets it in front and he scores Tanner Janot scores in overtime and the Predators take a 3-2 win oh baby what a finish I think we should come back with Pete Weber and Trans-Siberian Orchestra at least once a show for the rest of time There's nothing he can't do. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game, episode 155, the final episode of 2021. Brooks Pratt and Kara Hammer, audio extraordinaire, Max Hers hooking us up. Uh, This is the final episode, by the way, 
shout out to Tanner Janot, who just continues to crush it. And his highlight sounds even better with some TSO behind it. But uh, he's one of the bright spots of 2021. There were still plenty of them. And as we wrap up the year for a moment here, as we take a look back, what will we remember most, Kara? I think for me, the even though we didn't know it at the time, we had an idea it might be at the time. But I think Pekka's final game is hard to beat in 2021. I think the two consecutive double overtime wins in the playoffs against Carolina, Matt Duchesne and Luke Cunning, those are certainly up there. And just the fact that we were even able to play hockey last year, that helps. But what say yeah. you? I think I think definitely Pekka's last game, you know, just like COVID broadcasting from, from the bunker suite inside Bridgestone Arena mm. and no fans and then – you know, getting fans back and then going to the playoffs and having fans in the building. Uh, but one of the most memorable things for me was probably also the creation of that herd line, you know, when it started out with, with you know, and Sissons and, and Olivier. And uh, I feel like we had a lot of fun. Those guys were out there, you know, crashing bodies. And it was, it was fun hockey. It was really fun to watch. And then I think, too, you talk about – some of the criticism of protecting Tanner Janot in the expansion draft. And there were some who are like, why I don't get it. Why what's going on here? And I think you're seeing now why that was the case, why the predators decided to do that. They, they saw that maybe this was coming. There were Tanner Janot had something special about him and so far so good. So he's certainly been a bright spot and it's, it's obviously tough. I mean, we're still, as we can clearly see just with what we're dealing with right now, we're still, in the midst of a pandemic, we're still dealing with things that are beyond our control. And yet I just, I think just the fact that we've been able to still do as much as we've done in 2021 is to be applauded in itself and to, and to the people in front of the scenes and behind the scenes who have helped us get to this point. Um, you know, especially the, those, the healthcare workers and, and those folks and whatnot who have helped us to stay healthy and get to this point. I think it's important to mention them. Um, but I, yeah, I think just everything that we were able to even do over the past year is, is really just a testament to finding a way, much like the Predators have done under the circumstances, is finding a way to win. You, you find, find a way. And in the midst of a lot of things that are less than ideal, we've still had some pretty cool moments. It's been a memorable year. I mean, we thought we thought 2020 was going to be like one we'll never forget. But I feel like where did 2021 even go? Can you believe it's already 2022? Like it's happening. Pretty much. It's pretty much here. There's a lot to look forward to next year, too. I mean, I think Pecorino's retirement ceremony leading into the stadium series, those top the list. And I don't think we even know what else necessarily, right? Like those are the two big things on the calendar. Everything else, you just kind of have to wait and see how it plays out. I'm like so stoked for the stadium series game. I was trying to yeah, trying to get some insight from from uh, my boss Bob. Like Bob, who's who's performing? What do I have to look forward to? And everything is still hush. So hey, Bob. I, I hear it might be a big name. I think it's going to be a big name, but I think it's going to be one of the best nights in Nashville. Well, if Bob Cole's got anything to do with it. Bob's the man. <laughs> Maybe Bob can pull some strings. I wanted to mention, too, uh, Thomas Willis said his farewell in 2021, at least from this program and from his time at the Predators organization. So we'd be remiss if I didn't say that. That was uh, that was a memorable moment for sure. But, yeah, lots 
lots happened over the past year, but I'm glad that we've been able to link up and host some shows together. This has been really fun. It has been. And we've had some great guests. I mean, I just yeah. loved Scott Ford today. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I got to tell you, Brooks, he got on the elevator after that game with me and he said, thank you so much for putting that photo on TV. He goes, somebody sent me a grainy video that they recorded off of the television <laughs> and sent it. And he said, thank you. It just, it just really meant a lot. Yeah. And you could see how much fun those two guys were having. And, you know, that that's probably been a memorable moment that I'm going to remember well into next year. Yeah. These last 72 hours. That's why we do what we do. Memorable moments. We just try to make people smile, try to give people something to be happy about. And we hope that we've been able to do that for you this year. And we'll do it again in 2022. And we'll come back in just a moment. We'll wrap things up. We'll say farewell with a couple of questions. That is coming up right here on the POP, ESPN 1025 The Game. Hip, hip, hooray for Christmas vacation. Fourth and final segment of the Predators official podcast. Episode 155 on ESPN 1025 The Game. I'm Brooks. She's Kara. He's Max. As we wrap things up, the final episode of 2021. And we've got a couple of questions to get to as we head into the holiday season. First of all, uh, a pair of listeners, Andrew and Emma, Kind of wanted to know what's up with Philip Forsberg, some potential uh, contract musings, if there was anything new to report. And I would invite you to go back and listen. I can't remember if it was the last episode or a couple episodes ago. Um, We discussed this a little more at length, just kind of what the situation is. Nothing new to report on that front. I would just go back to what David Poyle has said uh, in the past, is that there's certainly things that are on way more on the front burner right now that he's worried about as opposed to um, Philip Forsberg's contract situation. We know that he's in the final year of his deal and we know that he's certainly been playing very well. And uh, I think both parties would like to stay in Nashville for sure, but uh, we'll see as time goes along. So I would just say there's nothing really new to report. I would invite you to go back uh, either one or two episodes ago and uh, hear what there was to say on that topic if you're interested in a little bit more. Um, wanted to mention... By the way, too, uh, Kim, who we talked about, she was from Australia. She replied to us the other day because we gave her the shout out. She said, cheers for the shout out in the last pod. I really do live in Perth, born and raised here, but still a huge fan from way far away. Well, that's awesome. So shout out to Kim listening to the POP all the way from Perth, Australia, where I guess it's summertime right now, actually. Kim, correct me if I'm wrong, but Merry Christmas uh, down under where the sun is shining. It's shining here, too. It's just a little chilly. I uh, wanted to mention this, too. Brian said, so do you think the Preds can continue to stay in the hunt for another playoff run, or do you think we will end up towards the bottom of the division where all the predictions had them finishing? Well, Brian, as long as the Predators continue to play the way that they are, there's no reason they can't be in the hunt. And that was the goal all along, right? To be competitive, to give yourselves a shot. But I feel like the Preds are a little bit more than competitive, honestly, at this point. Yeah, I think that was why kind of it felt like such a bummer to have to pause the season right when they seemed like they were rolling. You know, you were kind of wondering at at that point they were on the NHL's uh, longest active win streak. So how many more games could they have kept it going? I guess TBD after the the Christmas pause. Yeah. 
For sure. And yeah, so we'll we'll see on that. Obviously, so much can happen. There's so much more season to be played. And a lot of people talk about getting to the Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving point of the season to determine whether or not you're in a playoff spot there often determines if you're going to make the playoffs uh, by just the way the percentages have worked out over the years. And the Predators were right there and, and they're pretty good right now. So we'll see coming out of this break. And uh, again, the other thing, too, I think to watch for is what happens in February if the players don't go to the Olympics. How does that break get factored in? Do games get rescheduled? What comes out of there? Because I think there's always, and I've said this to people before, anytime you have a break like that and you come back, there's going to be a team that was doing really well that all of a sudden doesn't. And there's going to be a team that was maybe struggling a little bit, that all of a sudden it's a fresh start for them and they skyrocket. And so depending on what happens in February, I'm not saying that the Predators are going to be one of those teams. And we certainly hope that they can just continue to find consistency. But that's something to watch out for, too, is, is as you go through these lulls and these ebbs and flows, depending on how things turn out, you've got to find a way to continue to have that consistency. And as long as the Preds don't let anything bother them, which they're not right now, so far, so good. Yeah. And I think as long as UC Soros stays hot, you know, you've always heard that teams that make a long cup run, a little bit of luck and a really hot goaltender. You got to have a hot goalie. Have a got to have a goalie on a heater. As they say, yeah, goalie on a heater. Yeah, you see on a heater right now. <laughs> <laughs> you see on a heater. With that, any final thoughts for the year, Kara Hammer? Uh, no, I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And as always, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for watching us on Valley Sports, and uh, we hope to see you all, you know, back out at the games. Hopefully, hopefully that happens soon. I, I will second all of that, and I will also say we always appreciate you reading uh, Preds.com as well. Your, your listenership, your readership, your viewership, uh, what we do really doesn't matter if none of that comes into play. So thanks to all of you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. And thanks for listening to episode 155 of the Predators podcast. Predators official podcast, that is. Our thanks to Scott Ford for joining us, who's got a birthday coming up on Christmas Eve. So happy birthday to Fordo. It leads right into Christmas. What a couple of days for that gentleman. What a whirlwind for him and a whirlwind for all of us. But we appreciate you sticking with us, as Kara said. Thanks for listening, watching, reading. We hope everyone stays safe, stays healthy, has a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. And you know we're coming back. The clock's going to strike midnight 2022 is going to be here, and the POP will start a new year with you. See you, friends. Uncle Scott, like, what is this?